This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined, as always, by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, what's going on, man? How you doing? Well, I'm doing all right. I wish that the Jets would maybe sign a particular wide receiver that would make me even happier. But you know what? Can't ask for too much because Aaron Rodgers. We'll get into the idea of the Jets potentially signing that one big fish that is on the tip of everybody's tongue right now. As always, though, beforehand, let's just get the housekeeping out of the way. You can always find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts at. You can also go find us on YouTube at The Jet Press. That's where all our shorts are. That's where all our prospect interviews are. That's the home of me and Justin on the internet, on this great big online internet machine that we are all terminally hooked up to. So if you want to go fill it with Jets content, that's the place to go over on YouTube at The Jet Press. You can also subscribe there. And hit that little bell so that way you get notified whenever we go live to discuss players like DeAndre Hopkins. Because DeAndre Hopkins, after three still productive seasons, even though they were marred with injuries and all sorts of inconsistency with the Arizona Cardinals, finally got his release, which was honestly stunning to me that DeAndre Hopkins got released by the Cardinals because there were trade talks. I guess nothing materialized, but I don't know what Monty Austin Fort was doing, not being able to get anything. For DeAndre Hopkins, and it was old a ton of money, but but nothing for a guy who was still really productive last year. And uh, this makes DeAndre Hopkins a free agent. And with that comes the two teams that pretty much every big fish free agent gets linked to, Buffalo and Kansas City. Every single player, both sides of the ball, Buffalo and Kansas City, Buffalo and Kansas City, are they going to go to Buffalo or are they going to go to Kansas City? Seems like it's an either-or kind of thing. And... Because of that, like it's it's you, that's what makes me really want the Jets to get him a little bit more. Because you know for a fact that if he doesn't go to the Jets, he's going to go, I think, to a contender, probably in the AFC, and it's going to make the Jets' life a living hell. It's just not, it's just not what you want as a Jets fan. And uh, doesn't seem like the Jets are going to do it though, which is the sad part because Robert Sala comes out earlier today and he basically says we like the group we have now. It, as we mentioned before, me and Justin have kind of differing opinions. Of We both think it's a good group. How good is it? There's some room for debate, some wiggle room there. I think it's good as it is. I'm really bullish on Alan Lazard. I'm obviously very bullish on Garrett Wilson. I think Miko Hardman with an elevated role could kind of thrive as opposed to Kansas City where they made him a little more of a defined, limited role. So I'm bullish on that group. Even if you're in that camp like me or if you're in the Justin camp who says they absolutely need one more playmaker, no, ma- no matter what happens, Hopkins just makes sense. And it's not a question of being able to afford him because the Jets can cut guys like Corey Davis. They already restructured Jordan Whitehead's contract, according to uh, to over the cap recently. So they have enough financial wiggle room to add DeAndre Hopkins. Now, if he's asking for wide receiver one money, like most expensive wide receiver on the market, then you'd be hesitant. 
because I don't know what he's asking. He just hired Clutch Sports Group. They're normally a big money group. I don't know what it's going to look like, but if there's even a possibility that Hopkins could come to the Jets and the Jets just go, you know what? Corey Davis is fine. You know, Randall Cobb is fine. That's going to be really disheartening for me because the Jets have an opportunity to do something that could really shift the dynamic. Maybe get the Jets an extra win here or there. Maybe nab a win away from Buffalo. That's not insignificant. I don't know why the Jets are just dismissing this out of hand. I agree. And, and like you already mentioned, it seems very unlikely that this is the route the Jets go. And we've been talking about that for a while. But today we kind of got that that official confirmation where Robert Sala, Robert Sala was asked by reporters today, are the Jets going to sign DeAndre Hopkins? Do they have any interest? And he basically goes, nah, we, you know, we like our current group. Now, I will say I'm going to push back on that because if they like their current group so much, they probably wouldn't have tried to sign Odell Beckham. So clearly it's not necessarily that. It's more of a, of a fit thing or whatever. Um, it does seem as though that we, that media people, that fans are a lot higher on DeAndre Hopkins than a lot of teams around the NFL for whatever reason. Maybe it's personality concerns. I've, I've seen some stuff that the Cardinals weren't happy that he kind of quit on the team last year. There's some stuff out there that he doesn't like to practice and that it won't get better over time. I don't know. I can't speak to that. I'm not in those buildings. What I can say is that I know DeAndre Hopkins is a damn good football player, and he's still, when healthy, when on the field, one of the best receivers in football. I don't buy any of the stuff that he's slowing down. I know I saw some of those reports. I think it was Albert Breer uh, had some like anonymous quotes from teams where it was like, you know, he's slowing down. He struggles to separate. I mean, the dude was on pace for 120 catches and I think around like 1,300 yards last year if he had played a full season. That well, doesn't add quarterback because he right. came back when Kyler was hurt. Or... Exactly. He played the majority of that time with Colt McCoy and Trace McSorley throwing him passes, right? And obviously, he got it was high volume in the Cardinals offense. He was kind of one of the only guys to throw into. But still, that doesn't strike me as somebody who is slowing down. That doesn't strike me as somebody who is, you know, struggling to separate or whatever they're trying to say about him. I think from a talent perspective, he's still one of the best wide receivers in football. Will he be in the next three years? I don't know. But in 2023, I'm confident in saying that he's still going to be a really, really good football player. In terms of the price and the, the finances, I forget if it was Schefter or Rappaport, um, but one of them reported that that he's looking for a deal that's pretty similar to Michael Thomas's deal that he got earlier this offseason, which was basically a one-year $10 million contract with additional incentives that could bring it up to $15 million. That's less than what Odell got. Like, if we're talking that that's all it's going to take, it seems like he's going to get around, if not a little less than what Odell Beckham got on the open market, which is insane to me. I, I don't understand. Like, I know, again, we're hearing all the stuff that NFL teams aren't as high on him, but I don't understand how Odell Beckham, who was barely, who didn't play last year, who has not been a legit good, you know, a, a legit, like, number two, number one wide receiver in years can get more than DeAndre Hopkins in the open market. That doesn't make any sense to me, but it does seem to be his market. From a financial perspective, the Jets can absolutely afford to sign DeAndre Hopkins. Not only do they have plenty of cap space right now, obviously they're making room for the Aaron Rodgers uh, restructure that's going to happen soon enough. They need Quinn, they're going to extend Quinn Williams, but that really more so affects 2024 cap. But they have plenty of financial flexibility. They could cut Corey Davis, like you mentioned. That saves them $10.5 million to do that. By the looks of it, it does not sound as though DeAndre Hopkins' cap it this year is going to be more than $10.5 million. Even Odell Beckham, who signed for a deal that's worth up to $15 million, his cap it this year is under $4 million because they added void years. The Jets have been – they've been loving void years this offseason. They literally just did it with Jordan Whitehead. That's how they restructured his deal. They added, I think, four void years to his contract. They can very easily sign DeAndre Hopkins and get his cap it this year to be $3, 4000000 million. 
100% can easily do that if they want to. Finances are not an issue. They can literally sign DeAndre Hopkins and save money in the process because if they cut Corey Davis and sign Hopkins, they're going to end up saving 2023 cap space by doing so. So finances shouldn't be an obstacle. Like you mentioned, not only would he make your team better, but you're now preventing him from going to a direct competitor, whether it's the Bills, the Chiefs, the Patriots remain interested. There's a bunch of AFC teams that the Jets are going to be competing with directly that you don't want to get better. You don't want those teams to improve. So signing Hopkins not only improves your own current roster, but it makes your other or it it prevents your competitors from getting better as well. And then I'll, I'll say this as a last note, right? Because this is kind of where we differ a little bit. I'm not saying that I I think the Jets need to add an offensive playmaker. I think their skill position group is fine. I think it's totally fine. Garrett Wilson's a star. He's a legit wide receiver one. Brees Hall, if he returns healthy, is a star as well. That's two legit stars you have. The rest of the guys, they're fine. Corey Davis is fine. Al Lazard is fine. Michael Hardman's fine. Your tight ends are all right. Tyler Conklin's okay. CJ Ozama's okay. They have really good depth at wide receiver. They have really good depth at tight end. I think they have pretty solid depth at running back as well. But they don't have a, a true game changer outside of Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall if he's healthy, which, you know, you're you're counting on a guy who tore his ACL like, what, seven, eight months ago, right? Returning to full health. That's a lot to count on, even though it does seem as though he's going to be playing week one. If you're one injury away to Garrett Wilson or Brees Hall, obviously knock on wood, but you're one injury away to one of those guys from having a below average skill position group. That's why I think that the Jets should do everything they can to sign a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. That's why I was all for uh, targeting a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba in the draft. And it's also why the Jets were interested in guys like Jameer Gibbs and Michael Mayer, because they should be looking to add more players to this skill position group, because right now it's a good group. It's not bad. I'd say right now it's it's probably slightly above league average because Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall, assuming Brees is healthy, they, they raise the ceiling of the group. But it's nothing special. If you want to have a, skill, a special skill position group, you absolutely can do it. You know, they can sign DeAndre Hopkins. They could financially afford it. It doesn't make any sense to me that they're not interested, but that seems to be where we're at. That That's the weird thing with Corey Davis. I get that he's like a culture guy. I get he's a veteran. I get that people like him. But realistically, what are we predicting statistically for Corey Davis this season? Like, what, like 20 catches, maybe like 350 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Like, do you love his blocking and his veteran leadership that much? That you're willing to – Corey Davis would tell you he's not as good as DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. So you're willing to take that much of a downgrade? I know that playing with Aaron Rodgers can elevate guys who aren't as good to premier – you know, Geronimo Allison ended up looking good and Robert Tunyon and guys like this. Like, I get that Aaron Rodgers is a force multiplier, but this just smacks of either – not incompetence. That's too strong of a word, but in, incompetence-like traits where you're refusing to go after better players of an affordable price. Part of me thinks that Julio Jones has something to do with this because Julio Jones, one of the best receivers of all time, very firmly, but since he left Atlanta, clearly not as good. And I think that's foolish to do that because, uh, oh, well, uh, as an addendum to that too, I think the age to Hopkins is going to be, what, 31 at some point this year? Yeah, he's 30 right now. He turns 31 in June. So he turns 31 actually in a week. Right, and go look at how many receivers are playing that are older than like 32. It's like Adam Thielen and then like Randall Cobb and that's like, yeah, that's, really, Cobb. <laughs> that's really it. Like there's just not that many. So I get that you don't want to sink yourselves in financially for a couple of years, but you know what? Like the difference between that and like a Julio Jones is Julio Jones game was all predicated on speed and being a deep threat and using his body as like a verticality guy, like winning jump balls deep down the line. Like, and then when he lost some of the speed, 
he was still good. Like, like Julio Jones is still a serviceable NFL receiver. He just wasn't what he was, and it was very obvious that he wasn't what he was, and both the Titans and the Bucks kind of got sold a lemon a little bit. DeAndre Hopkins was never a great speed guy. In fact, that's why he fell in the draft in 2013 was because he wasn't a great speed guy. That's why he went 27th to the Texans. So because of that, he had to build his whole game around being a possession receiver and a great route runner. And those things won't necessarily deteriorate with age or injuries to something that like, like speed would. So that to me says, if you get a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, like I don't think he's going to be 1,500 yards, 13 touchdowns anymore. That, that ship has sailed. DeAndre Hopkins would probably tell you that ship sailed. Houston would tell you that. Arizona certainly thinks that. Otherwise, they wouldn't have kept him. Or they would have at least got something for him in a trade. DeAndre Hopkins, I don't think it's unrealistic to predict a couple more thousand-yard seasons, maybe seven, eight touchdowns. He's still a red zone weapon. He's still reliable. Like, I don't get what... Is it like an analytics-y thing? Like how analytics people just automatically won't pay running back? Is it like a don't pay a receiver over this age kind of thing? Like... I'm I'm running out of justifications to not sign this guy because he, he it's too perfect of a fit. And the Jets are going to go, nah, Corey Davis, you're good. Come on, Corey Davis, you're good. But what's that? He's going to Buffalo and Kansas City? Yeah, that's fine. Like, like what are we doing here, man? It's not going to make or break the season, but it's just, it's a self-inflicted wound. It's, it's Sideshow Bob stepping on the rake and hitting himself in the face. That's what this whole saga is. And it's pissing me off, quite frankly. I think a lot of it, I, I honestly think it just comes down to like fit and culture. And that's the reason that they they don't want to bring him in. Because again, it does seem as though there are those rumors that maybe, I, I, this is not me saying this. I, I have no opinion on DeAndre Hopkins as a person, as a teammate. I'm just talking about what we've heard and what we've seen reported. But it does seem as though, you know, the Cardinals weren't happy with him, that he kind of quit on the team a little bit last year, that maybe he doesn't practice super hard and that maybe he's not really focused as much on winning. I have no idea. I think it's all silly. That's not my take on it, but it does seem like that's kind of their thought process on it. And a lot of teams seem to be following suit. That said, I want to say another big difference between Hopkins and Julio Jones is that with Julio's decline, we kind of saw it coming a little bit because he had those recurring hamstring issues. And that was, that was a big issue late in his career in Atlanta, where we saw that, that the hamstring was just, was just not there. And that followed him wherever he went after that to Tennessee and to Tampa with Hopkins. I think the injury concerns are significantly overblown. The guy, he missed two games in his first eight years in the NFL. He was like the the model of durability. He was an Iron Man. Then 2021 comes around and he runs into a couple injuries. He did have a hamstring issue and he tore his MCL. That's two injuries in one year. Okay, maybe you know, maybe now he's he's going to become more a little injury a little more injury prone. Now he's getting older. 2022 comes around. He missed time because of suspension. That's why he was out. He missed time because he was suspended for for violating performance-enhancing drug policy. He didn't miss time due to injury until the last two weeks of the season where it doesn't sound like it was like a legitimate thing. He missed time due to a knee injury because his like knee flared up. But again, we're hearing reports that the Cardinals weren't happy that he sat out those games because they thought he could have played. So it yeah, doesn't seem like – a case of tankitis is what he got. <laughs> pretty much. Like he just didn't want to – He it doesn't seem like he wanted to play in that situation last year, right? Which, I, you know, maybe that's a whole issue in its own right, whatever. But it does not seem at all like injuries were a big issue or any issue really with him last year. So that means in his, what, 10-year career, he's had injuries in like one season. That's what we're talking about. And now we're saying, oh, his availability is a concern. Like he might get injured all this. Time. I don't get that at all. I don't get that sense from him at all. I don't, I don't get that vibe. He's been 
durable throughout his entire career. I think it's just he had a couple of bad luck injuries in 2021, which happens. It's football. You know, this sport's a physical sport. And in 2022, he had the suspension, right? So that that's the, the – you know, I, I think there's a big difference between him and Julio there where you kind of saw that decline co- coming a little bit on top of the fact that, like you mentioned, they are – completely different from a, um, a skill set perspective. They're very different stylistic receivers. But we saw that decline coming with Julio. We didn't really see it with DeAndre Hopkins. So I don't know. I'm not in these locker rooms. I know a lot of NFL teams are more down on him clearly than I am. Clearly the Jets are. I just, from a talent perspective, from a financial perspective, I don't get it. I, I, I just don't get why the Jets wouldn't be, be very interested. I don't get why most teams wouldn't be very interested. Obviously, I'm not saying he wants to sign everywhere, but you would think as long as he's interested in signing with the Jets. And I know that one more thing. That's another thing. Uh, people keep pointing out that, like, you know, the video that came back or came out over a month ago at this point where he, you know, kind of hinted at he wouldn't want to sign with the Jets. Right. That was before they officially traded for Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if that would change his mind. I, I know he hasn't mentioned Rodgers as a quarterback he would want to play with, but I would think that with a great defense and a hopefully great quarterback and a team that has genuine Super Bowl aspirations, that he wouldn't look at the Jets and be like, oh, I definitely don't want to play there, especially because it sounds like money is one of his biggest determining factors, right? So why wouldn't he want to play for the Jets? You know, If he says outright he doesn't want to play for the Jets, obviously there's nothing they can do, but I, I also haven't gotten that sense that that's, that's where he's at. How can they imagine a future with 11 personnel that features Garrett Wilson probably inside and then an outside group of DeAndre Hopkins and Alan Lazard and think, yeah, we don't need that. We can develop that internally. Like, picture that in your mind. I mean, that's game breaking. Good luck doubling anybody. I do wonder if that's even – I don't even know if that's where they're going to go. Right now, in my mind, Corey Davis is wide receiver four. I think Nicole Hartman is your slot receiver. That's I think they're using Garrett Wilson on the outside a lot. Obviously, he can move inside. He could play both. But I think that they want to keep him on the outside a lot. So I think we're going to end up seeing I think Nicole Harmon gets more snaps than Corey Davis. this year. Right. But I think if they got Hopkins, they would probably adjust. But oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. If, if they got Hopkins, obviously everything changes. You're absolutely right there. Yeah. So I'm just I'm wondering, like, is, is that too much for them? Are they do they not have enough confidence in themselves as coaches to figure out how to make DeAndre Hopkins work? Is it like an, this is going to be not like a tinfoil hat thing, but like, does Aaron Rodgers just not want him kind of thing? Where he's like, I'm, I hope not. <laughs> that not. would be a weird decision to want Odell and not want DeAndre Hopkins, man. I've I seen, mean, I've seen some people suggest because, I, you know, I, I brought up Odell before, like, oh, you know, the Jets clearly were interested in upgrading their wide receiver room because they wanted Odell. And someone replied to me on Twitter, like, that was before they signed Randall Cobb. And I'm like, if, if Randall Cobb is the reason the Jets aren't signing DeAndre Hopkins, we got bigger I, I, issues. <laughs> I thought we did this a month ago, but I'm going to do it now. Like, th- this is a declaration to Jets fans, to Packers fans, to writers that just look at box scores and don't really cover each team very well, or just national talking heads that want to get a rise out of people. Like, Randall Cobb. At this point in his career, might get 400 yards this year if he's very lucky. If he's lucky, yeah. That is the high end. People thinking that, like, they signed Randall Cobb to be a Garrett Wilson challenger. Like, like use your use your noodle. Use your noggin. You guys are smart people, and yet you guys act like like morons when you think it's stuff like that. Like, I it truly baffles me because I thought that this would be common knowledge. It it should be. And And now people are bringing it into the Hopkins debate. It's like, for God's sakes, man. (laughs) That's, that's, you know, you know, uh, it's Theo Ash on Twitter and I don't want to shit on Theo. I like Theo. Theo's good. I like Theo. I like Theo, but did you saw what he said about, about Rogers and, and why, or not Rogers necessarily, but Hopkins and why the jets aren't going after Hopkins. Did you see that whole thing? 
Uh, no, I did not. So it was a few days ago. Uh, he he tweeted out something along the lines of the Jets need Hopkins, but they can't sign him because they're paying all, too much money to Rogers wide receiver friends. That's what he tweeted out, right? And obviously, he got destroyed for that. He got roasted for that, and rightfully so, of course. Today, after Solid said what he said, Theo Ash responds, and he's like, "I said this, you know, a few days ago, and I got co- and Jets fans cooked me for it." And I'm like, "Listen, man, you got cooked not for saying that the Jets wouldn't go after Hopkins, because five days ago I would have totally agreed with you, and obviously I still agree now that the Jets are unlikely to pursue DeAndre Hopkins. But it is not financial, and it's definitely not because the Jets are paying." too much money to Rogers wide receiver friends. You know, the combined cap hits of Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb this year, the combined cap hits. Yeah. It'd be like what? 13 million or no, no, no. They, they backloaded Lazard's deal. It's oh, they did. Yeah. It's 6 million. <laughs> they're, they're paying 6 million combined to Lazard and Randall Cobb this year. And That's Lazard, not- even without Aaron Rodgers, they probably would have gone after. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Rogers thing. Exactly. And that right there, is, is he saying that that's the reason why they can't pay Hopkins like 10, 11, 12 million, whatever it's going to be? Not to mention, let's. this is even ignoring the fact that they can cut Corey Davis, and they would do that if they were to sign DeAndre Hopkins. And as of now, after the Jordan Whitehead restructure, they have the third most available cap space in the NFL. So they have plenty of money. They have plenty of financial flexibility, and they're paying Rodgers wide receiver friends, quote unquote, for those who are listening and can't see me, my air quotes, they're paying them $6 million combined. That's nothing. So clearly it has nothing to do with that. I just wanted to get that out there because it is a very silly narrative. I hate that people are pushing that. I hate that anybody is trying to suggest that because the, the Jets signed guys who Rodgers wanted, which if we're being real here, like you said, I think they probably would have signed Lazard regardless, or they definitely would have been interested. The only player that they signed who I think this is a Rodgers sign, a Rodgers signing is Randall Cobb. Even Billy Turner, that's a Hackett move as well because he spent the last four years with Hackett. He spent more time with Hackett than Rodgers. <laughs> so I, I think that the only move you could say that it's a, definitely a Rodgers move is Randall Cobb. But anyway, I just, I just wanted to point that out because it is very silly and I hate narratives like that. No no hate on Theo because I don't even hate Theo. I got nothing against him. But that's a very silly take. Maybe they can use that cap space on some other free agent. Maybe by the grace of God, Joe Douglas is going to be – risen out of whatever stupor he is in and finally go sign some guys because there's still plenty of veterans that can help a team. Plenty of guys that started all 17 games last year for various teams and positions in need for the jets that are still available. And for whatever reason just haven't been signed. So I'm looking at the free agent market and I'm looking at defensive backs particularly because even though Jordan Whitehead's restructure probably signals, they're not going to cut Jordan Whitehead. I still think even with the Chuck Clark edition, which we talked about on last week's show, we're both big fans of Chuck Clark. I could still see one more player coming in there, especially because Chuck Clark, as we also discussed, kind of limited in what he's really exceptional at. So if you just want to have him do what he's exceptional at, I think you might need one more ancillary guy to kind of add on to that. And that could be a guy like an Adrian Amos type of guy. Adrian Amos has played for the last eight seasons. I believe he's only missed one start in his last five years. Uh, split evenly between the Bears and Packers. And I'm going to be honest, like he he took a slight downward turn in his play last year. It was not as good as the last, the prior three seasons, I mean, excuse me, in uh, in Green Bay. But even with that, career high in uh, with 102 tackles, they're using him a lot more around the line of scrimmage, and he's kind of more like a run defender there, and he's pretty good at it. Uh, still knocked down five passes, which is kind of right on par with what he does. Uh, got an interception. So seven and four years of Green Bay, big hitter, veteran leader, 
guy who's really he, he'll bust every now and again, but he's not like a debilitating weakness going deep down the field like LaMarcus Joyner was. So if any plan the Jets have this offseason involves we're going to get LaMarcus Joyner tons of reps or we're going to get like Ashton Davis tons of reps or even Trey Dean, a guy who I like, but he for God's sake, he's an undrafted free agent or even Tony Adams if they're in the mix. That signals to me maybe one more guy might work. And Amos, a guy who is going to be 30, sorry, he is 30, just turned 30. He's he's on the back nine of his career. So why not take a chance to link back up with your buddy Aaron Rodgers? And this is not an Aaron Rodgers told him to sign him kind of thing. This is a guy who was good in Green Bay, no matter who the quarterback was. He had a good career in Green Bay and a good career in Chicago. And I think he could be a good fit with the Jets if they decide to spend money, which apparently they don't want it for some God, God only knows why. <laughs> I agree. I like Amos. I definitely think, and I've been saying this since since February or March, whenever they traded for Chuck Clark, that the Jets need a free safety. They need a true, natural free safety because Jordan Whitehead and Chuck Clark pretty much occupy the same role. They're they're very traditional box safety, strong safeties. I think the plan right now is still to just go into the season with those guys. And it seems as though they're high on Tony Adams. I know we talked about this last week or something that, you know, they were high on Jason Pinnock this time last year. That didn't mean anything, but it does seem as though that they're high on Tony Adams. Maybe he gets a bigger role this year. We'll see, but it does seem like that's their plan, but I absolutely would love to see someone like Adrian Amos or even John Johnson. That's another guy who I'm surprised is still available at this stage. Um, it's weird that the, you know, the safety market has kind of developed where John Johnson, I think is a pretty solid starter. Like he's a starting caliber safety that he's still out there. So I, I would love to see the jets go out there, either of those guys, but John Johnson's not, not my guy. That's not my target. I'm looking at linebacker and I'm thinking, okay, I would love to have Quan Alexander back, right? Quan right. Alexander is also not the player that I'm talking about, but I would love to have Quan Alexander back. But I'm not sure how you know interested the Jets are. I'm not sure if they're going to make that move. So what happens if they don't if they don't bring back Quan Alexander, right? Like, do they roll with the young guys on the roster, like Jamie and Sherwood, Hamza Nasraldine? Maybe, honestly, maybe the most likely option would be that. But I think the Jets need another veteran in there. I'm not trusting Sherwood, Nasraldine. Chaz Surratt, Zaire Barnes. I'm not trusting that group. I want a veteran in here. The guy that I'm looking at is Zach Cunningham, uh, formerly of the Houston Texans, and he spent last year with the, the the Tennessee Titans. He was this is a guy who was he was the NFL's leading tackler in 2020. Now, obviously, tackles aren't necessarily the the best indicator of a player's quality necessarily, uh, but I think he's a, a very 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 solid run defender. It's very interesting to see, uh, and we talked about this a lot with like off ball linebackers, how so many get paid and have kind of just like they fall off right after Cunningham is absolutely one of those guys. Cause he received, I think it was a, a four year, $58 million extension right before uh, he ended up leading the league in tackles in 2020. And then he spent a year and a half after that, I think in Houston before they ended up releasing him um, or maybe trading him, whatever it was. I forget if it was uh, actually, yeah, he was released. Yeah. They waived him, which is it's wild. Um, but he's a very, very solid run defender. And I think that's what the Jets should be looking for in their third linebacker. Because there's other guys out there, too, that people have talked about. Miles Jack's out there. He did cross paths with, with Robert Sala in Jacksonville. Deion Jones is out there. He obviously crossed paths with Jeff Ulbrich in Atlanta. So there's the connection there. And traditionally, the Jets look for linebackers that fit more of that Miles Jack Deion Jones athletic profile but I would really love to see the Jets bring in someone like Zach Cunningham who is a better run defender probably not someone you want dropping back into coverage a ton but that's fine because he's going to be your Sam linebacker he's going to be playing in that base defense he's not going to be your nickel linebacker you don't need him to play that role because they clearly like Quincy Williams and CJ Mosley in that role so it's bringing Zach Cunningham in having him be your Sam play 40 50 snaps or 40 to 50 percent of defensive snaps the year like Quan did last year he can basically fill that Quan role and I don't think he's washed up for the role the Jets would be looking for not to mention he's also only like what 20 he's 28 
doesn't turn 29 until December. So he's still young, even if it feels like he's older because it's been a few years since he was at his peak. I, I think, think you can he kind of up after coming in college. Like, he came in, he was like a yeah. speed freak kind of guy. That's kind of his, he that's did. his style of play. Ideally. He did. I'm pretty sure he bulked up because I think Houston was playing him as a Mike. Um, I think they were playing him as a Mike linebacker. So I think that's, yep. that's why he had to bulk up. Um, he, maybe he can drop some weight now because the jets wouldn't be asking him to play the role. They'd be asking him to play Sam. So either way, I think that he's someone that makes a ton of sense for the jets. I'd love to see Quan back, but if they don't go that route, I think Zach Cunningham is probably atop my list ahead of miles, Jack and Deion Jones. I'm with you on that. Tackles aren't the best way to evaluate. I think they're, they're not the best way to, I think, distinguish the elite guys. Like yeah. you can't go, well, this guy had more tackles than this guy. Like sometimes it works. Like Luke Keekley always led the league in tackles and he was amazing. Like sometimes it, Sometimes it pans out, but I love the mindset too that, yeah, our tackles may not be the best, but if you have 164 in a 16 game season, like you're probably doing, probably doing your job okay (laughs) to some degree. And I think part of that too is with, with Tennessee, I mean, number one, he got banged up last year too, as everybody on that team got banged up. And although Vrabel like is good with like getting the most out of guys that are kind of on the fringe, I think he's a really good coach in that regard. I don't really think he had a ton of like, great elite players outside of maybe like a Jeffrey Simmons or a Kevin Byard, but that's two guys on an entire defense that were really above average. So it's hard for a linebacker to really shine there unless you're like Patrick Willis who just eats people up. So I think going to a Jets team where they're not going to be targeting him every play, they can kind of let him run free a little bit. That might be the best way to get the old Houston Cunningham back, who again was another Vrabel guy. I think Vrabel had him in Houston beforehand. So true. if he's willing to leave Mike Vrabel, then he might be willing to to come to the New York Jets. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Things are good around the Jets right now because on top of the fact that even though they're not signing free agents, they got a good core right now, and Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. And it's also good because Jimmy Garoppolo is not the quarterback because Jimmy Garoppolo, we remember, I think it was like episode three or four or something like that. It looked like it was going to be Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo. And it was mostly going to be Derek Carr, but there was a very, very, very vocal Jimmy Garoppolo contingent among Jets fans. If this guy's a winner. He'll bring the San Francisco system. And is, that your, is that your Joe Benigno impression? That Not even. Saying. That's like my dumb lunkhead one. I got a real proper Benigno accent. That's like my dumb lunkhead. Like, he's a bum. Get him out of here. Ta- callers. Like, you know, a guy like, like you know, a, uh, what do you call it? Like a steel worker in like Massapequa or something like that. Who calls sure. in the who calls into WFAN at like 1.30 in the morning when Steve Summers was on. <laughs> but, it's very specific, but I I, I could totally hear it. I could but it's it. right. It had to be that specific to get it right. So mm-hmm. 
Those guys have since been silenced after Garoppolo signed a three-year deal with the Las Vegas Raiders. And then what do you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, who gets hurt every year because he's only started more than 10 games twice in his career of like, what, six years in San Francisco? Twice? More than 10 games? Got hurt again. In fact, failed his physical, which was funny too because they uh, delayed his press conference by a day and they're like, no, everything's fine. Don't worry. I'm like, are you guys, you're not a good liar, man. Mark Davis, you're not a good liar. And something was up because he failed his physical. And they also agreed, uh, per Mike Florio, there's a provision in his contract now where if he doesn't pass a physical before the season starts, they could cut him, which might be the end of Jimmy Garoppolo. If he can pass a Raiders physical after a three-year contract, like that might be the end of you in the NFL. And I don't want to like do a victory lap and woohoo, I told you so, because that's not the right place. It's a guy getting hurt. No one ever wants to see that. You don't want to celebrate because a guy did that. It's not great, but... Just imagine if the Jets went down this path instead of Aaron Rodgers. Like we, For all the Aaron Rodgers questions, he's old, we don't know how long he's going to be here, and the last year was his worst year in a very long time. Perfectly valid questions to answer at some point. We at least don't have questions like, is he going to pass his physical? Like, Can he play? Will we draft a quarterback in the top 10 next year? None of these questions apply to the Jets right now, which is a fantastic feeling, and I know that you have a bit, little bit of a uh, beef with Raiders fans that was developed <laughs> over the uh, the Derek Carr discourse, and I think you have to be feeling some sort of vindication right about now. I mean, it's like I I, I hate when NFL organizations or any organization for that matter in any sport, but I, I specifically football because that's my job. I love the sport. I hate when NFL organizations are just poorly run. I, it, it bothers me. It makes me mad. It annoys me. And it's like, it's why I hated the Giants for so long under Gettleman because I just saw the moves he would make. And, and I, I guess I would actually say some of those moves have actually looked okay in hindsight, like Dexter, yeah, Dexter Lawrence. Lawrence and whatnot. Right. And I was, I was very critical of the Dexter Lawrence pick at the time, but that's clearly worked out. But either way, like I would say that about the Raiders as well. And it just, it makes me mad that I watch this organization just be so incompetent. And it's I, I can say that as a Jets fan because I've seen my own team be incredibly incompetent for years, right? Yeah, we're so, allowed to. Patriots I, fans, I, you're not allowed to. We yeah, are. <laughs> I know how this – I know what this looks like. I know what incompetence of an organization looks like, right? So I think that when I look at the Raiders and I see how much they've messed up the quarterback situation this year, it it really makes me mad. It genuinely does. Because Derek Carr – you know, we've, we've talked about Derek Carr – Plenty in the early days of this show, early days of the offseason. I like I mean, Derek Carr. It was like a lock that it was going to be Derek Carr. Right. Derek Carr is a good quarterback. I like Derek Carr. I think he's a very solid NFL quarterback. I don't think that he, you know, when we're comparing Aaron Rodgers, he obviously doesn't have the ceiling that Rodgers does this year. But I would have been very happy if Derek Carr was the quarterback of the New York Jets this year. I, I'm on record saying that. I would have been very happy. I would not have been happy if Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback of the New York Jets. And there's plenty of, of receipts of me saying that back in February, back in January, whenever we started the show. I've been saying that for a while. Jimmy Garoppolo is a significant downgrade from Derek Carr. And the fact that the Raiders just basically kicked Carr out of town, because whatever, it, like if they're, if they've decided it's time for a breakup, it's time for for us to move on. We need uh, basically to go our separate ways, right? This is, it sounds like a legit, legitimate breakup, right? But both, both sides is seemingly just needed a fresh start, whatever. That's fine. You better make sure that you are bringing in either an immediate upgrade or somebody you believe can be a future upgrade. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo fits either of those criteria, right? So if you're moving on from Carr and you draft Anthony Richardson, cool. 
have him compete with with you know with with uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo or whoever, whatever veteran you might sign. That's fine. You at least are selling something on your fan base. You're selling something to your team that still has a lot of win now pieces. You still have Devontae Adams. Like they they have a team and a roster that could actually maybe compete with a good quarterback in there. Unfortunately, they moved on from a good quarterback and got a quarterback who is not only worse, but has serious injury concerns. And we're already seeing those pop up because he failed his physical. Josh McDaniels and the entire organization kept it quiet from everybody. They tried their best to hide this and are now trying to downplay it. It's an incompetent organization. They're very poorly run. I feel I feel for some Raiders fans. I don't feel for the Raiders fans that were telling me all offseason that Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo is an upgrade over Derek Carr because he's not. There's no way you can rationalize that in any way he's not i don't feel like drinking paint to those guys or uh, whatever they're doing at the raiders tailgates they do this is my favorite it's baby blue (laughs) raiders tailgates do they do some wild stuff there man raiders fans are nuts i I, like i was saying earlier it comes from it comes from a good place it just doesn't as it always express itself very healthily yeah as much as i've criticized the raiders and also their fans in the past they're not a fan base you want to get on the bad side of because they are a wild group of people uh for better or worse but yeah i (laughs) I, obviously from a jets perspective here yes they made the absolute right decision not seriously considering jimmy garoppolo i think once they fired mike lafleur it kind of became more clear that they weren't going to go that route but if you asked in december i I think i was saying this too that that jimmy garoppolo was my guess for who was gonna be the jets starting quarterback in 2023 and a lot of people were saying that too and even but even after they hired or they fired LaFleur, people were still pushing it. There are receipts and articles going around now that were, were showing uh, takes from back in January where people were saying the Jets shouldn't be going after Aaron Rodgers. They should be going after Jimmy Garoppolo. Those are actual opinions that were that were you know iterated and, and then said back in January. Now, we don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to work out with the Jets. We have absolutely no idea. Maybe he gets hurt this year. Maybe he's bad. Maybe he regresses. We don't know. But I will say that I'm very happy that Jimmy Garoppolo is not the quarterback of the New York Jets. What's pissed me off about how the Jets are being talked about this offseason, like, it's one thing, like, I didn't expect everybody to hand them the division, because they're not, like, you know, some people think Buffalo's better, Miami's still good, like, I'm not going to claim, though, oh, this is disrespectful to not have them win the division, like, I get all the concerns, like, the fact that, I think, for a guy I really like as an analyst, Ross Tucker is the biggest, mm-hmm. like, same old Jets guy ever, like, yep. like, there was a head coaching ranking that had Robert Sala 25th, and Arthur Smith 18th, despite the fact they basically have like the same resume at this point. And like Robert Sala was below like Kevin Stefanski and a bunch of other people like that. Like it, it was confusing. And then we, we talked about the Will McDonald pick. Now everybody's all in on the Will McDonald pick, but whether you like it or not, the jets had a very clear and very thorough justification of why Will McDonald was the guy. And I don't think anybody disputed that Will McDonald was a good prospect in a vacuum. That Will McDonald was a good player. And Ross Tucker's immediate thought, oh, same old Jets. They they got scooped by the Patriots and blah, blah, blah. And then it comes out later that wasn't the case at all. Like, yeah, he I, just I, can't I, help I, himself. I but then, his, his exact tweet. Let me read it really quick just for people who, who missed the tweet. I'm gonna oh, yeah, give yeah. So he says this was back in April. It was, it was literally the night of the draft. This was night one of the draft. He tweets out the Jets. And then it's like a list, right? Telling everyone how much they love Roger Jones, including a pick swap with the Packers in the Rogers trade. So they're behind division rivals. Allow the Steelers to leap them reaching for Will McDonald dot, dot, dot is why they're the Jets. That was his tweet. That's what you're referring to. The, the Jets who just got Aaron Rodgers, dude. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, bro. So, all right. So that guy is out there and there's other people in his sphere. that are like that. Can you imagine what would happen if the Jets sign their franchise quarterback instead of Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo, 
and then this thing happened where he may not play if his foot's hurt. I mean, people would be they want to fire Solomon Douglas right now. And honestly, they would have a pretty good. I want to fire Solomon Douglas right now. I told. Yeah, I would say they they had a pretty good justification for that man. I mean, that would be there'd be picket signs at that point if that was their big plan. So, I mean, it was like in uh, Doctor Strange, like looking through all the the possible futures. Like, thank God we didn't end up in one of those possible futures because holy, I don't know if my poor little old heart could take that anymore. And that would that was the big savior. And, and that would have been the same old Jets thing. Like that would have the same old Jets move would have been to go out and sign Jimmy Garoppolo. That would have been the same old Jets move. It wouldn't have been to trade for Aaron Rodgers, right? That's not something the same old Jets do because right now I know what people are. Oh, the Brett Favre stuff. People are going to bring up whatever the Jets right now have a, I think undisputed top eight quarterback in the NFL, right? I don't think you can make a proper ranking where Rodgers is not in the top eight quarterbacks at the very least top 10. I, you definitely can't make a, a ranking where he's not in the top 10. Some would even put him a little higher than eight, right? But I, I need a guy that says Aaron Rodgers is the 12th best quarterback in the league. I want to, I want to throw hands. Exactly. Like people that are, oh, yeah, two is better than him or something like that. Right. Cause that's, that's a take. Yo, you saw the, the, the don't take. put that in the universe, man. Don't say well, that. There's even worse. Cause you saw the take from, it was a giants reporter who, who written Oh, Daniel Jones. Yeah. That said Daniel Jones was better than Aaron Rodgers. And it's so silly that like, like what did Daniel Jones mom write that or <laughs> May to June is my least favorite time for football media. And I write, I say that as someone who literally has to come up with content every day in May to June. Right. And I strive to never write. If I ever write something like that, as ridiculous as that, right. And it's not even honestly, no hate to the writer. Cause I don't know what's going on with him. Maybe he was forced to write it. You never know. Right. I don't know. But if I ever write something like that, I'm either being held hostage or I'm, I've gone insane and I need you to tell me. Okay. Because I, I never want to stoop that low. Like I just, I never want to stoop that low. Cause it's so clearly just for engagement. Like you're, you're not, you're, you, there's no way that a, a professional who works in this industry can have the opinion that Daniel Jones is better than Aaron Rodgers. And I know he listed off stats. I don't know if you read the article, but he basically listed off the most basic of box score stats and tried to make it seem as though, Oh, advantage Rod or advantage Jones, advantage Jones, advantage Jones, right. Ignoring all context, of course, ignoring the fact that Aaron Rodgers played with a broken thumb for the entire for the for the majority of the season, ignoring the fact that uh, Daniel Jones, like average depth of target was the worst in the NFL. Like it was worse than like P.J. Walker. And if you're I know people hate like uh, PFF, right. And 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 turnover worthy plays and big time throws. But I, I still like those stats. I think those are worthy are, are, are you know, valuable stats. Daniel I like Jones, them when they fit my narrative. That's when I yeah, like those stats. Daniel Jones had eight big time throws last year. Aaron Rodgers had thirty three. Like they're not comparable. They're not Daniel Jones. At and what like, point in America was <laughs> Daniel Jones better than Aaron Rodgers? Never. I don't get it. And I say this as someone who genuinely likes Daniel Jones, and it was generally, I would say, a general Daniel Jones defender. I think he gets too much crap. I really do. I think he's a solid quarterback who definitely proved his worth last year. Right? I'm not sure he's worthy of of what you know the contract he received, but that's the QB market. But I, I like Daniel Jones. I don't think he's a bad quarterback, but he's not a top ten quarterback. There's no way you can argue he's better than Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's top fifteen, Daniel Jones. So I don't think you can argue that he's better than Aaron Rodgers. I, I, don't, I don't even know how we got on this, but. It's the narratives are kind of wild. You are right, though. If the Jets signed Jimmy Garoppolo, that would be very same old Jets, and they would be getting absolutely torn to shreds right now. They would get torn to shreds like they were in the Adam Gase era, which leads into our final topic of the day. A little bit of a throwback. We tr- we try to do all this like analysis and looking forward and really digging into the data and stuff like that. 
sometimes it's just nice to just go over, get a barrel, get a gun, and just shoot some fish at it, man. This is this is as fish in a barrel criticism as you get. Is that a saying? I've never heard that. Fish in a barrel? Yeah. Means okay. easy. Shooting fish cool. in a barrel because you can't go into anyway. <laughs> I, I, I'm from Long Island. I don't know. We don't say it over here. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't say it in Jersey either, man, but it's just I picked it up somewhere. But uh, what, what we're doing is taking another whack at the Adam Gase pinata because Le'Veon Bell, who for some reason has not talked a lot about his NFL career, but he goes on like a fan podcast, not like an official team thing. He just sort of pops up and really spills the beans on what happened at the end of his tenure with Pittsburgh and – his New York Jets stint, which I mean, we all know what happened with Le'Veon Bell. He was a big disappointment, never lived up to the hype, was clearly not the same player he was with the uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I will give Le'Veon Bell this. And I noticed this throughout the Jet. Like he had so many opportunities to lose his mind and blow up and go nuts on Adam Gase and be this problem and this malcontent, and he never did it. He kept his mouth shut and he kept working hard. And he really tried to make it work. So I will give him, I will always give Le'Veon Bell credit. Like it did not work here. It was not because he didn't try. He worked really hard. For sure. Good teammate, did whatever they wanted him to. Adam Gase, for whatever reason, didn't want him. And Adam Gase, just Adam Gase, weird eyeballed it up and messed up his career. But he goes on a uh, a fan podcast and he's asked about Sam Darnold because uh, Darnold's rookie year was when they got Le'Veon Bell. And uh, no, yeah, yeah, the rookie year 2019 was. Was Le'Veon's yeah, first it was, year? It was his, his second year uh, that they got Bell because Darnold was was twenty eighteen. Oh yeah, twenty eighteen. That was the year he sat out. So then they got Bell for yeah, yeah. You're right. So they were asking him about Darnold because Darnold obviously didn't work again, not through a lack of trying because Darnold tried his hardest. They were asking kind of what went wrong, and perhaps unsurprisingly, he said it was Adam Gase almost entirely because he said that if Mike Tomlin was the coach of that New York Jets team. They're winning at least nine games. And you know what? They won seven. I know they were playing a bunch of crappy teams and got lucky, but I mean, he's not wrong there. Because Mike Tomlin versus Adam Gase is as about as lopsided a coaching matchup without Bill Belichick included as you could see in the last like 20 years in the NFL. I mean, it was just, outside of including Bill Belichick on one side and Urban Meyer, that is as far apart as you could possibly get in terms of acumen and skill and being able to relate to players, especially that's what Tom was great at. That's what Gay sucked at. So bell has this quote that I found interesting where in so many words, he basically says uh, it's to the point where Darnold don't even know the actual lines protections because he's so confused about our offense because the coach is confusing him. And that it, that right there encapsulated the entire problem with the Adam Gase era, both here and with Miami. Like, the oh Peyton Manning thing. I know Peyton Manning made the offense. I know Peyton Manning was calling the play. And the Peyton Manning and that like, I still find it hard to believe an offensive coordinator of an NFL team literally did nothing and had no input on that whatsoever. Like he did something. He had some responsibility for that offense. I know Peyton did a lot of it for him and covered up for a lot of weak spots, but he did something. Part of the problem was he went to Miami, and he had Ryan Tannehill and Jay Cutler. And Ryan Tannehill before he was good, and I'm about to retire Jay Cutler. And then he had a rookie in Darnold, and he thought that, oh, these guys can be Peyton Manning. They can handle this offense like Peyton Manning and take command of it like Peyton Manning, which you can't. I know Peyton Manning likes it because Peyton Manning is like the smartest quarterback ever and just downloaded all that offense immediately with Ryan Tannehill and Jay Cutler. It kind of confused him with Sam Darnold, especially a rookie coming in. Imagine this, like this is your first day on the job. Like you're starting to get used to the NFL. You're like, all right, I'm finally here. Let's get to meet my teammates. And they throw 
Manning level work. That's that's prof- that's high level calculus. What he was doing, and they go, "Hey, learn that." Oh yeah, by the way, how old is he? Twenty one at the time. Yeah, be in charge of all of that. No wonder he'd be confused. I understand. I feel bad for Donald now. Like I used to feel less bad for Donald because I'm like, all right, like he was just playing really poorly. Like when he, he was getting this thrown at him, I'm like, there's no way he could have succeeded. He was getting thrown to the wolves here. Man, I've I've always felt bad for Sam Darnold. I, I would love to see a universe where the Jets actually properly supported Sam Darnold, gave him an actual supporting cast instead of stripping it away every single year because it seemingly got worse each year that he was there that they gave, gave him a worse supporting cast. Uh, I mean, we don't even need to rehash the guys he was throwing to, like the Deontay Burnett's of the world, right? No offense to him. <laughs> Lawrence uh, Cager. Yeah, Lawrence Cager, whoever the hell else they had at that point. I don't, who was the tight end at that point? It was Austin Sferian Jenkins, right? That's I think that's oh, who. Oh man, Austin Sferian Jenkins. Uh, uh, was Jamison Crowder was like the number one for a bunch of years. Yeah. So, so, and then of course, obviously the coaching staff, right? So, I'd love to live in a world. I'd love to see a universe where Sam Donald was actually given a proper supporting cast and a proper coaching staff, because very clearly, I don't even think we needed Le'Veon Bell to say this, right? But he's clearly right. Like, he's definitely right about some of this. He's essentially what we were all thinking pretty much. Right. He's essentially saying that Gase's offense confused the hell out of Darnold and certainly led to his failures in New York and shortcomings. And it certainly I think we can agree with that, that it definitely led to that to some to some respect, to some regard. And on Bell, I think it was very obvious to most people that he definitely lost the step with the Jets, a, a significant step, whether it was, you know, sitting out the year or whatever it was, age, whatever it was, he clearly wasn't the same player he was in Pittsburgh. That said, he also was not utilized correctly in any way at all, because like you mentioned, Adam Gase never wanted him. That was a, that was not an, an Adam Gase decision to sign Le'Veon Bell. So clearly that also impacted it as well. But, uh, you know, Bell obviously averaged, what, 3.3 yards per carry, something like that with the Jets. 2.2. But again, look at Gase's plays. It was just three variations of run up the middle. Right. And then he wasn't utilized at all in the passing game or not nearly as much as he should have been. So there's definitely some some, you know, response or a lot of responsibility on Gase. Honestly, it's just it just reaffirms what we already knew about Adam Gase. And that's that he is he was not a very good head coach with the Jets. And that is very much underselling it. He was a disaster as a head coach. And it's amazing he lasted as long as he did with the team. Uh, and it's unfortunate that it, it kind of ruined a few years for the Jets. It's unfortunate that it definitely contributed to the failure of Sam Darnold with the Jets. And honestly, it's crazy to look back at that now and just kind of see how far this team has come. And I, I know we're saying that and the Jets still have made the playoffs, right? And I understand that. But this roster, this coaching staff is just leaps and bounds ahead of where it was at that point. Like if you pull up that like 2019, 2020 Jets roster – it's unrecognizable. Every position is completely different, right? So it's that's more than anything. When I think of that story, when I when I saw those quotes, I think back and I'm like, man, those were dark days for the Jets. But I'm I'm just glad that they are where they are now. They may not make the playoffs, but at least like they're a real team. They have a real yeah. coach and a real GM, which they didn't always have. I'm just looking at this depth chart, man. So this was uh, <laughs> this was 2019. Where they actually went. Darnold went seven and six that year as a starter, which is my. I don't know how. I remember, that. I remember that, and I remember everyone using that and being like, "Oh my god, look how great!" And honestly, by everyone, I mean partially me. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> using that and being like, "Oh, you know that look, he, he did that with this roster." You know, look, I wonder what he can uh, do with a better roster. That was a that was a load of. So it was Jamison Crowder and uh, Chosen Anderson were the starting wide receivers. The now chosen and. Uh, Late great Demarius Thomas, rest in peace. He yeah. he tried hard, but that, again, that was Demarius Thomas right before he was about to retire. Not the Denver one. Right. Ryan Griffin, Vincent Smith out of Limestone College, Ty Montgomery, 
Uh, I'm going to Benigno voice. Oh, the immortal Daniel Brown, bro, was the tight end, was a backup tight end. (laughs) You know what I'll always remember Daniel Brown for? I'll always remember him for being the player that the Jets traded away for Laurent Duvernay Tardif and then re-signed two weeks later. I don't know why. That's the, I'll always remember him as that. The guy they basically they basically traded for LDT or Laurent, yeah, LDT for free because they ended up re-signing Daniel Brown. Anyway, go on. <laughs> Guess who led the Jets in tackles that year? Wait, this is 2019. I know this. I actually know this answer. Yeah. This, is, this is my favorite Jets trivia fact. It's James Burgess, right? It is James Burgess. Barely is, over Neville Hewitt. I mean, yeah. this is... I God love man. that trivia fact because he's like he never really played after that. He led the Jets in tackles, and then what? He played like what two games after that? And he just four, dipped four and left. Yep. Yeah, he played four games with the Packers. That was it. Yeah. Oh, Blake Cat, Arthur Mollett, Brandon Copeland, Steve yep. McClendon, yep. Terrell Basham. Man, this yep. is dark times. Cornerback room compared to now. Oh my God! Like Arthur Mollett was one of their starting corners that year. That's crazy. Bless Austin. Yeah, it did. It didn't get better in 2020. Like I'm looking at 20. You got Brashad Perryman. They brought in. That's of course the the Frank Gore year. They had Harvey Lane, and then he couldn't even do that right because they didn't get Trevor Lawrence. So we didn't even do that right. <laughs> right, exactly. Ashton I know we got Aaron Rodgers now, but I mean, come on, Trevor Lawrence in New York would be would have more endorsements than any player in the history of football. Slight hyperbole, but. Not really. <laughs> you're, not, you're not entirely wrong. You're definitely not entirely wrong. Oh man, <laughs> it's it's wild to see how far the Jets have come. It's it's you know it's it's just great. It's great to look at that. It's great to look at the roster now and kind of do like a side by side comparison. It's, yeah, it's not great to look at it by itself. If you look at it by itself, no. you're like, God, this sucks. <laughs> no, no. But you look at it with a side by side comparison to the current roster, which we could do in the future. That'd be pretty fun to like look at each position group, comparing it to like. 2019 or 2020 and being like hey is it or maybe we we can do it like 2015 like an actually good team and compare that and be like hey which position group is better but doing no, it i want to look up kalen balaj and other guys from that balaj who else was, who else was, josh andrews i'm just looking at this roster pierre desir oh Lindenwood. I we could let's for the next 10 minutes just listen. Just name, <laughs> just like list the entire alphabetically, just list the Chase entire depth chart and go, whoa, whoa, awesome. Case <laughs> McLaughlin, Trayvon Wesco. All right, last one, Jordan Willis. That's it. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Jordan Willis, K State, man. And again, he was good after he had a year with the Niners, I think. So. Yeah, yeah, they actually traded him for something, which was yeah. wild. like a they did like a pick swap. So yeah, with man. that, we are going to call time on the Adam Gase bashing session and call time on the podcast as always. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is you get your podcasts, you can find us there, and you can find us on YouTube at the Jet Press. Justin, you can take us home. Yes, sir. Thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at ByMikeLuciano. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow the Jet Press at the Jet Press. You can download Jet Press wherever you get your podcast, as Mike just mentioned. Also, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, hit the notification bell. You guys know what to do at this point. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all for listening to the Jet Press podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That's been Mike Luciano. See you guys next time. See you folks next week. Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today we discuss technical diagramming with systems architect Maya. Let's go. First question. You've spent 10 hours slogging over a sequence diagram that should have taken five. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board. And if I'm being honest, Miro would probably cut that time down by half. You know, with its AI tools and ready-to-go templates. 
Next, your diagrams become so bulky, it's more complex than the solar system. But all it takes is a few clicks and... It's Miro. I've used those technical shape packs way too many times. And stuff is just digestible on its infinite online canvas. Now, the final question. Everyone's brought in. But you have to make all these tasks all the way over in Jira. But wait, it's done. Is it... Miro, easy with its two-way Jira sync. Easy to plot dependencies. Everyone always knows what's up. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people creating technical diagrams without workflow glitches. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.